Hi, and welcome to Policy Pod by LDA. My name's Matt Goche, and I'll be your host. This podcast aims to break down common trends, problems, and concepts in the life insurance industry. We wanted to create a place where we could talk openly about things that confuse clients and advisors alike. This episode, we are joined by Natalie Hales, formerly of Canada Life, who now works with insurance advisors to help them find their niche in the market and build a brand that supports it. With the warm weather finally starting to settle in, I know that much like many of you, I'm starting to look forward to evenings around a campfire up at the lake. But just because you are away from your office doesn't mean that your insurance practice can't be working for you while you're away. LDA Lead Gen turns your website into a lead generation machine, turning web traffic into potential leads by allowing visitors to enter their information in a basic needs analysis and producing a fully branded LDA report showcasing various insurance options that fit their needs at only $20 a month. To learn more, visit www.lifedesignanalysis.com forward slash lead dash gen. That's www.lifedesignanalysis.com forward slash lead dash gen. Or contact us to see a demo of LDA lead gen in action today. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. It's really exciting to have you. <laughs> Let's go into you and you can tell us actually yeah. what you do and you can introduce I'd yourself. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. Um, so I, uh, I'm a brand strategist who works specifically with advisors and, and, um, and I've been doing advisor marketing um, for the past 12 years. So I've been in the industry of financial services for the past 12 years, and my journey kind of started in a unique way. I, you know, graduated university and um, decided, you know, made the decision I I didn't want to continue to work at the university. I I wanted to do, I wanted to work at a marketing firm. And um, not not too far into that experience, my dad ended up having a massive stroke. And so my mom you know, was already on disability. And then my dad ended up having a massive stroke and I'm fresh at a university. And, um, and we were kind of, you know, uh, up the Creek without a paddle type situation. And I had a lovely boss, um, Chris Venn, most people in the industry probably know Chris Venn, who, um, basically said, you need to see my financial advisor. And I, you know, I, I'm a blue collar kind of like millennial kid elder millennial who had never worked with uh, financial advisors before, family members had never worked with them before. So I was one of those people that just thought, you know, advisors are only for the rich. And um, so I just thought this guy's doing, you know, his fancy client a favor by even meeting with me. But when I went to this meeting, he was lovely. Um, He actually had his dad pass away around the same time. So he went through kind of a similar experience that I did around that age um uh where his whole family life kind of got flipped upside down and so he was super empathetic um we found out that my dad's situation was hereditary so it was a hereditary it's a neurological disease that's hereditary and kind of causes strokes and other issues and so um we had you know a mad scramble to put all the policies in place and everything we need to do on top of just the emotional wreck that the family was you know it was a a lot of kind of work to kind of 
get all the kids up to speed in terms of what they needed to do before they had their own diagnosis. So, you know, their own testing and whatnot. So um, it was just a crazy time. But when I went back to work, it was like, you know, I really understood what financial advisors did. I wanted to work with them. Uh, I wanted to tell as many people as possible, you know, that what they do and the value that they provide and that it's not just for the rich. And so we worked with even more financial advisors and we we helped to actually develop the business consulting program over at Canada Life. And when they saw the opportunity to um, to have a new team under the advisor business development area, teaming and transitions, I ended up joining that team. And that's how I started working for Canada Life and moving into more of the practice management situations. So I went from marketing for financial advisors to kind of, you know, working with them on their books of business and profitability and um, and team and sales. And so, but it, it was a lot of practice management and I missed the creative aspect of it. So a few years of doing that, I moved up to um, work with Canada Life's high value clients and group. And I started branding their retirement and savings programs. And so that's how I kind of transitioned my personal situation from working one-on-one -on -one with financial advisors on their marketing to then working with them on their practice management and then um, gaining some branding chops as well in the in the industry. But I, you know, I missed working with financial advisors and I couldn't find something within Canada Life that would allow me to do all three, right? The the, the marketing implementation, the the business development and coaching, as well as the um, the branding. And so that's where I developed my own program. I started my own business. And now I work with financial advisors one-on-one, -on -one, taking them through my process. I call it the niche funnel. And, um, and, and that's what I do with them. I help them discover their niche, develop their, uh, position themselves in the market, develop their messaging, and come up with a, um, a marketing strategy that they can implement either with their own team or with me. And so that's what I'm doing now, and I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, awesome. It's uh, it's really impressive how how like the one small thing can make such a big change in a life, and it's just oh. the ripple effects that have gotten you here. Not necessarily the ones I'm sure you wanted to be there, yeah. but <laughs> but it's uh, it's important that people know. And and I mean, I think that's a even the fact that financial advice seems to be for the rich, and that's what everyone, even mm -hmm. even life insurance. So I don't really need it. I don't really need it. I don't have anything. Whatever. But um, one minute too late is too late. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, we're all, you know, set up now. But I had a conversation with my parents after the fact, like, you didn't have any insurance? Like, what? You know what I mean? To, after working with financial advisors, it kind of just blew my mind a little bit. And they were, you know, we didn't really know. We worked with the bank. You know, we never worked with financial advisors before. And um. So, so yeah, and I kind of grew up with that same mentality, but you're right. Like you don't know until you, until you know, right? Like there's, there's those huge situations that happen. And then all of a sudden it changes your whole mentality around your finances. Um, and I think that happens to a lot of people, right? Like a lot of people have some, some experience, maybe negative, but <laughs> that, you know, it's kind of changes the, how they see their finances and then it opens the door to even more. So that experience opened the door for me to be able to see how much uh, value advisors can really give and, and when they're working with people directly. Um, and so I just want to tell as many people as possible so that what happens to my family, 
you know, what happened to them doesn't happen to even more people. We can prevent that. So it's completely preventable. And so that's what I, that's what I've made my mission to do is to help, you know, advisors reach even more people and everyday people as well. Mm -hmm. And that's the goal of advisors too, right? That they're trying to help instill those uh, thought processes in the normal people and get those clients thinking about, well, this isn't just uh, for me. Like that's one thing I heard in my family too. When I'm, when I moved to the life insurance industry here at LDA, is that they said, well, life insurance is like a scam, right? Because they're like, oh, you just, you just pay money into it and then you don't see anything out of it. But life insurance isn't for you. It's for your family. Yeah, like it, that's it's, right. It's, right. So getting that mentality switch can be difficult. Um, and I think that's where your business with niche marketing really comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's kind of talk about that with marketing. It's, it seems to be the, the catch all term. Uh, a lot of people yeah. just kind of slot marketing sales in one large umbrella, but it is more than that. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into it in terms of your voice on the online, uh, how you brand yourself, how you look, how you feel and, and making sure that there's consistency online and offline. Yeah. So let's talk about branding. What, when you're looking at branding with advisors, what are the important aspects that you talk to them about what they need yeah. to focus on? You know, I kind of joke that branding and financial services is almost like a bad word because it's so misunderstood in in, in the financial services sector. Because, and it, it's you're right, it's more than just marketing and sales. It's the end to end experience. And I think more CMOs are starting to recognize that you know they can't just do what they did in terms of of just like pairing pairing up with sales and speaking to only those people who are on the cusp of buying immediately, right? <laughs> like they, they have to, um, CMOs today are realizing, no, like you have to speak, there's, you know, that's only 3% of the market, right? That's a tiny little sphere of the people who financial advisors should be speaking to. But then, you know, on the other side of things, there's a bunch of people where, or a bunch of advisors that are speaking to people who don't really see or understand the value of like life insurance at all. Um, and so again, that may not be the right people to kind of look at and target either. So there's a balance, right? And so when I talk to advisors and I talk to them about who, who they should be working with and, and resonating with those people, um, I have to help them understand that where to actually meet people in their awareness. And I think that's a really important thing, uh, for advisors to understand that's probably not talked about enough, um, that, you know, you can't speak to people who have no understanding of uh, when, what, fi- what life insurance does and how it can help you. And you can't just speak to those people who are, you know, perfectly aware and ready to buy. You have to speak to the people who have a problem, right? They haven't found the solution yet, but they have a problem. And normally that, that, those problems end up looking similar to mine, like that, you know, they have some sort of event happen and they're worried for their future. And that's usually the point in time where you can open up conversations. And so I think that's one of those key things that, you know, we can help advisors learn more about is understanding the audience's level of awareness and when it, a good time is for those advisors to start communication. Yeah. And I think even in the terms of marketing, it's changing the way people are viewing the cycle of a life cycle of a client. Because before that was, you look before digital marketing became popular and it was, how do I get a client? 
And so how do I just put the right message out to get client in the door? And then I can take it from there. Well, then digital marketing took it this next step where now we have digital processes. We have a digital marketplace and it's the same idea, from, but in the new market. So it's, well, how do I get people to my website so that I can get them on the call? And I think it's switching again now to getting a customer is not the end. Right. Right. It's the next step. So yeah. the next step is the life cycle. So how do I keep them? a client forever. Right. So how, how yeah. do we build that trust? How do I build that relationship? And I think it does start at the very beginning, what you look like online, what you put out. I think that is going to be very key to making that consistency and that trust at the beginning. Right. It also kind of starts with illuminating a path to change, right? That's the kind of, that's the right spot to kind of start to speak with people. But in order to actually be able to speak to their problems, to help them illuminate a path to a solution, you have to know who you're speaking to. And that's really the first step. And that's why I talk to advisors about understanding their audience and, you know, potentially just doing some discovery and defining their own niche. Because um, you can't speak to all the problems in the world, right? Because when you do, you're, uh, you know, you have no expertise anywhere. And um, that's a huge issue, right? Like you, you want to um, convey your authority, usually in a specific problem that, or, or uh, uh, not just a product, more like the a type of person and their problems that you're they're working with. Um, so you know, we'll talk to advisors about you know, niching in a specific industry or with a specific group who have similar financial issues um, or you know, something that they, you know, particularly have experience in. And if you can hit all of those things, even better. I mean, you know, if you can hit that they share financial issues or interests that you can relate to them personally and that you potentially have experience with and that you can carve out that sector of the market to be your own, right? Like when you're looking around and seeing who else is kind of speaking to these same people, how are you doing that differently? And so, um, that's a part of positioning that I also walk advisors through as well, but you're right. It all starts with understanding who you're speaking to and then carving out something of your own, but then taking them through the entire experience. And I think that's, that's branding, right? It's, it's more than just marketing. It's more than just sales. It's all the way through from end to end experience. And it's, it's not just about prospects either. It's about current clients and the experience that you are providing them. And when, when I'm talking to advisors about the experience that they're giving their current clients, it's all about how are you anticipating their needs? And, and that's a huge thing that we chat about with them as well around the, around marketing and branding. And there's tools that will help with that transition in that life cycle, especially like, like life design analysis. When, when we have a, a book of business in, you know, the cut, the client will have their policies listed. And you'll be able to see all their policies. So when you're trying to do that prediction, um, you can say, okay, this, this policy is coming up for renewal. Um, maybe there's been some life changes. And so you can then reach out and be like, hey, um, have there been any life changes? Let's talk about you, talk about your life. And you have this policy summary ready and you know where it's been growing and you know what you can change it to. And you, maybe you have some options already, but you don't know whether they've had, you know, they've gotten married. Have they had children? Did they buy a house? Have they mm-hmm. just paid off their mortgage and they have extra cash? Like, there's so many different factors in people's lives that if you don't talk to them regularly, if it's just uh, every 10 years, <laughs> every eight years, you call yeah. up, hey, your policy's <laughs> up for renewal. 
well, there's going to be a lot missing. Um, yeah. you, know, you may not be hitting what you need to be hitting. Definitely. That anticipating clients' needs is huge. It's a huge part of branding. And I think that gets a little bit misunderstood, right? We're, it, it gets it gets missed. And I think that's what life design analysis does really well, um, where, you know, there's other people who are focused on so heavily on leads and prospects and, and, um, and sales and talking to them about that. But that other element of how are you anticipating current clients needs, because that's what's going to help you maintain um, your existing relationships. And then that's a whole retention conversation. That's huge. Furthermore, you can keep that branding. So if you've, you've got your you got your website, you got your logo, you got your colors, you bring it to LDA. Now that's in your report. So when you bring that policy summary to the client and you're having that conversation about, hey, this is what we've been doing the last six years. Um, has anything changed? Is there anything we need to know about to make a new plan? Well, that report now is all branded to your colors. It has your logo at the top. It has your information, your mission statement, your everything that is you. Um, yes. And so it's just that consistency from point A to point B to point C, and they're going to keep seeing it over and over again. Yeah, that that consistency in the visual identity is huge. It's a it's a one of those subconscious triggers, right, that lends to your authority. And so, being able to um, utilize tools that allow you to do that is uh, an important part of the experience that you provide to potential and current clients. So, um, I mean, consistency in branding. We, I mean, it's huge. You, they're not sure we we want to get into that here because I'm sure many people have you know heard tons of conversations about being consistent and I think that that's one of those things that people hear over and over and over again it doesn't make it any less true um, and it's so freaking important I'm sure a lot of people have heard those messages a lot but it's just it's so important to nail that home that on a subconscious level you want to maintain consistency in who you serve what you're saying and you know what your visual identity looks like so that when you're presenting those pieces to them it's all aligned it's all consistent and it's all it's building that trust on a subconscious level mm -hmm. last month we had people from the advocates technology innovation committee um and one of the guys brandon he talked about when i asked like do you have any tips for new advisors or advisors who are looking to digitally enhance their their practices and he said take a minute have a coffee by yourself have a beer whatever it is and just think about what you want to do and who you are mm. and start there. Right. Yeah, because if, if, you're, if you're not, if you are not portraying, if you're portraying a, a character or not someone who you are or what you do is not relating back to your own ideals, mm -hmm. then it's, it's always going to be fake. And so that 100%. necessity of knowing who you are and what you want to go to, that aspect is kind of the first step I would say in, in terms of like finding a brand and finding a niche for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of people think that that's something that they can do so easily on their own. Um, and so it's mm -hmm. super important. And I think that a lot of people can, but you also, it's, you can also speed up that process by working with somebody to do that with you, um, to do that bit of discovery process with you, to find out what you're good at, to see those things on an objective, you know, level, because it's hard to ask yourself all the questions that you need to ask yourself in order to say, you know, who am I? What do I sound like? you know, what is my one thing that I want to get across? What is my, you know, what are those hills that I want to die on? Right. Mm. <laughs> so, um, and those are important parts of content marketing and, and, and also branding, right? Like being known for something, having that one angle uh, is, is super important part of your brand, but it's really hard to 
get to those things on your own when you know you're not asked asking yourself the right questions or potentially you may not see yourself in a super objective light either. <laughs> yeah. When you're talking to clients, what are some of the common branding mistakes that you see uh, when, when they're presenting themselves, especially when maybe they're, you know, new to LinkedIn or new to the digital sphere. They, they've just launched a website. What are these common pitfalls you, you're coming across? I see a lot of flip-flopping, which is, you know, to be expected when you're trying to figure things out on your own. Um, but it's also really confusing for people, um, to see your headlines and your bios change and, and what you, to, you know, small changes to your headline make people think that you're changing careers or you're changing your entire focus of what you're doing. So, you know, to see that those back and forth all the time, make people think that you're not reliable. So uh, I think that that's one of those pitfalls that you do have to be a little bit careful about, um, you know, changing things online every few weeks, your photos, your headlines, your bios, things like that. I see that happening a lot in the industry because advisors are trying to improve themselves. And I think it's a good thing. You know, it, it, it is an evolution, but I would love for more of them to kind of take a step back for a minute and kind of work with somebody to kind of get it all done and talk with maybe a few clients about those ideas and then kind of almost release it as if it were a launch, right? You're launching your brand. And, and instead of like changing those things every few weeks and causing so much confusion to your perspective and current clients, right? It makes it really hard to refer you if, you know, they don't know who you focus on and you keep flip-flopping. It makes people not want to, you know, use you as a, a referral source either. Mm -hmm. And that there's so much that can go into uh, having that brand launch. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, I just want to pause for a second because branding is, uh, a lot of people are going to think of branding as like my, my logo, my color. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so when we talk about launch, it's not necessarily like, yeah, you can make that. I mean, there's, how many AI tools nowadays that if you don't, if you don't have technical expertise, you can quickly and cheaply get a logo designed through AI. You can get color scheme. It will tell you exactly how to lay out your website, that it looks nice and pretty. Um, so you, it's the golden age of not having to know the technical aspects of things anymore. Like you can right. just get things done, <laughs> but brand is about your voice. It's about what you say and mm -hmm. what you're saying. And yeah. even your personality. So like your brand could just be empathy. Mm -hmm. right? I'm empathy. And so I want to be there as the empathetic voice that's supporting. And that's fine. But right. it has to all be there. It has to all align throughout the whole process. And you can't, even the tone of what you say can't change too drastically. No, no. Because again, that causes that confusion. That causes that lack of trust and, you know, makes people think that you're not reliable. So you're right. Um, brand strategy and brand identity, and the, I, I'm specifically talking about the visual identity, are totally different. Um, you can work with people, and I, I have a lot of advisors who come to me as who are referred by designers because they need brand strategy done first. You need to understand, you know, who your target audience is, what you're positioning yourself as in the marketplace what your tone of voice is, what you want to sound like, those sorts of things. Those are all wrapped up in your um, brand strategy. And you need all that before you can do your brand identity because 
um, designers and writers need to be able to take your brand strategy and and use that to develop content to do your writing or use that to develop your visual identity to align with that strategy. You don't want to have, you know, you don't, you don't want to be this super friendly financial advisors, super empathetic, and then have a very dark, black, silhouetted, serious visual identity, right? Like you don't want those things to contrast. And so if you do the brand strategy before you do your visual identity, you know, you're going to end up having to do it again, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, when someone's, let's say you have two advisors that are coming together, I, I don't know if you've had this situation, but let's say one's a high net worth, one's more family planning mm-hmm. and they have their own identities. Now they've, they've identified, how does that fit in with the global group? If they decide to team and create an advisory like office, um, how would those now fit into the larger brand? Because they can, um, but how, how would you recommend that? Personal branding can still happen under a firm brand. Um, I think a firm brand is more high level and generic and does stand for something, but it's more around the, the mission of who they're trying to help. And so ideally, they ha- the, the advisors that come together as a team have uh, similar missions. And so um, those like, for example, if they were both, you know, had archetypes that were caring and empathetic, um, you know, ideally that those those advisors were come together under a certain mission that resonated with those elements. However, they could each have their own target audience because that's where their expertise lies, that's where they have experience in, that, that's what they're interested in. And their story, their origin story somehow ties back into that. So you can still be very, have a very empathetic and caring brand. And yet one advisor works with, you know, traveling nurses and another advisor works with parents of disabled children or something along those lines, right? Still very, you know, empathetic branding, just who they work with is different and why they work with those people specifically is also different. Mm-hmm. So then if they found their niche, they found out what they want to do, they've had those conversations themselves, we've built a brand and we've built an identity and they know how they want to talk. How then do you position yourself to best succeed? Um, whether that be LinkedIn, obviously that's a great place for professionals to go and network. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a good place that you can find some leads uh, naturally, yeah. but how can then you go to be that expert and be the person to take the niche to the next level? Yes. Then you start to get into um, your messages. Like, what do you want to stand for? Right. What's what's that one thing that is the opener of the conversation? Um, So you need to start to develop certain content pillars, but they all kind of need to revolve around this one thing that you want to help with. And and so that's really where you need to start when you're done your brand strategy, when you're done your visual identity, you understand kind of like what you sound like, you know, um, all those things are taken care of. Then all of a sudden, it's like, you need to look at what are your strong opinions? What are your audience's level of awareness in terms of the problem that you're, you're, you're solving for them? And what is it about you that they'll resonate with? And so you need to start combining those things to like, let's say they, they resonate with the fact that you are a bit of a rebel or you challenge current conventional thinking, something along those lines, and you help them with a specific problem. So your one message, your one angle 
needs to be identified and then you need to talk about that in a few different ways and so that's how you kind of identify your content pillars and that's usually three or four things that you can kind of talk about on a consistent basis and you you basically just hammer all that home um, until you can open up the rest of the conversation right you're just you're not looking to and i it was an advisor i was speaking with um the other day about this you're not looking to give them a five course meal right you're looking to serve them the initial appetizer in your content and so that's where you really need to start is what is the opening of that conversation yes what do i stand for and what is my message but then what is that beginning part that i can talk about online and continue to talk about online and what are the parts that i will wait to speak with them in person with and then you know the second meeting or the third meeting or the fourth meeting to kind of open up and get them into it even more um because you you can't serve this five <laughs> a lot of advisors do that online they're trying to serve this five course meal of like i'm going to educate them as much as possible which is lovely right like give all this value as much as possible but it's people don't know you for anything when you do things like that it is super valuable and i i love seeing advisors do it because it comes from a really you know, authentic and uh, a place and it's so genuine and lovely, but unfortunately it just makes you wash out into the sea of sameness because a lot of advisors are talking about all, every issue under the sun and you, you have to be known for something to get them in the door, to have those conversations and then open it up. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I see a lot of times on LinkedIn, it's obviously there's the disparity between the expert and the coach and the coaches are the ones that are like, Oh, look at me. This is a insert hyperbole and then give some story that what, you know what I mean? Like that has uh, almost nothing to do with what they're talking about, but they just want to be that flashy person. And then there's the edge the expert who knows what they're talking about can share articles that are valuable. They can share you know, stories about the, maybe their life that aren't, aren't like necessarily like, oh, this is inspiration. This is just, this happened to me and this is how we fixed it. Or I was working with a client and this was the story that happened to them and without giving their details, but you say like this happened to them and, and we walked through a process for like this. And if this is something that resonates with you, you know, please reach out and we can talk about how this can, I can fill that need for you because I've done it before and I know what I'm right. talking about. Yeah, I mean, there are so many things, so many different things that advisors can help people do that with, right? Like they, they probably have a hundred stories of that are so different across the board about how to help people and, and what those stories are. But I think they really have to understand what, why people come to them initially. What is those, what's that kind of main problem that they're seeing over and over again at the beginning? And then talking about that and then waiting to kind of open the door to the rest. And it's like, you're right. They want to be seen as the authority and the expert, but there's a line where it becomes too much, right? It becomes overwhelming. And so it's a really, uh, it's really hard to know where that is. And it all kind of depends on what your angle is and what you're, you know, you're talking about over and over and over again, but it's important to not serve that five, five course meal. It's important to just maintain like hold yourself back and just mm -hmm. <laughs> wait and just serve those appetizers for sure. It comes down to simplifying your approach to enhance your business. Yes. Let's, That's let's, a good way to put it. Let's bring down the processes to small amount. Let's talk about something specific 
and in return you're going to get gain mm -hmm. because you're not just it's you're not running in a thousand directions at once yes yeah like just wait right like i you'll see me online on linkedin a lot talking a lot about niching because that is where advisors kind of that's that opening of the door for advisors to come speak with me is i don't know who i'm talking to i really need to know more about my target audience to be able to you know to, to be able to resonate with them online. And I don't know what I should be talking about, but that is that, that first step through the door for people. So you see me talking about that one thing over and over and over again, and not so much talking about the other work that I do around you know, positioning them in the market and building out all their messages online and building a marketing strategy for them. It's, that is all the work that I do for them as well. But I hold that back until kind of we have the, that discovery call and that conversation um, because you want to be known for something and you want to be known for that, what they're coming to you for initially, because they only know what their problem is, right? Advisors only know that they don't know who to talk to, that they, they know they need to be speaking to somebody specifically and they know that that's their problem, but they don't know the solution. That is the, I, that is the sweet spot financial advisors need to find for themselves about where they need to kind of open the door and, and start to have conversations. And so that all ties back into who you serve to understand what that problem is, but they don't yet know the solution. That is gold right there. And with LDA, obviously like it's, it's so easy to be online and have like use the tools that we have at your disposal to produce those results. So um, one of the things that we have some of our staff do is they see a new a new product on the market. There was just a one pay charity that came out. So John uh, put out put out a case, put a case with that product in LDA, branded to him with our logo, everything, and then just shared it on LinkedIn and had a little graphic that came with it. But it allows mm -hmm. people to see what you're offering. And so yeah. if if an advisor say, you know, you know, there's a new, let's say there's a new whole life plan that has really uh, advanced cash option or something that they're trying to push out and um, advisors could say like, Hey, listen, this is an article talking about how, you know, we need to talk about knowing your product and compliance. Mm -hmm. Well, here's, here's the easy way for you to show three or four different products. And here's a, here's a link to this case that I made that kind of does it. Or then you can take that and let, let's say if you want a niche to uh, like, let's say you want to talk to high net lawyers that are high net worth lawyers. Well, you have, you're part of the lawyer groups, maybe on LinkedIn or Facebook, and then you start making those cases. You share them. Your branding's on there. Your yeah. voice. You're now an authority. You've given mm -hmm. them options. It's going to direct them maybe back to their website. And if you have lead gen with LDA, that's an embedded snippet on your website that also has your colors and branding. And then they can pick uh, products based on a needs analysis, and it will generate report for you. And then that's a perfect launch step. So now the person's seen who you are. Mm -hmm. They know that you're talking about, they see a product that you've already presented saying this is an option for someone in this situation. Yeah. Then they've gone to your website, they've looked you up, they've seen the needs analysis for them, they filled that in, and now you're having a conversation. So in five steps, you've identified who you want to be, identified who you want to go to, and you've got a client. Yeah. That maybe you so, didn't know before. Client stories, especially client stories that are around that initial first step are so impactful. They cannot be underestimated. And I mean, you know, you could talk about, you could, I, I mean, 
advisors say this to me all the time. Oh, I could build out tons of client stories. And I'm like, no, 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 they have to be, you know, if you're going to be sharing those client stories online, it's important that you, sh that they're the right ones, right? That they tie back into your brand promise and that one thing that they, they know you can help them with. And so, yeah, client stories cannot be underestimated in terms of the power. And so when you can walk them through as well in those client stories, the steps that they took to solve that problem, all of a sudden you're illuminating that path to change. There's that solution. And I mean, it's super powerful. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Especially when it's, if it's a case report with actual products, now they're saying, well, I have, I, I spend maybe $10,000 a year on my own insurance, let's say. And I'm looking at this case and it's got a $10,000 payment and for the year, but it's got significant gains over 30 years. And now I'm putting myself into that. I'm like, now I'm seeing it from that side of the coin. And mm -hmm. uh, that's all of a sudden that it's going to be much more impactful than just saying, hey, I think life insurance, uh, I could help you with the life insurance. Yeah. A generic, like, oh, I, let me let me talk to you. You know, the cold call, the cold call DM on LinkedIn. Yeah. Of hey, I am a financial advisor. I can help you with your with your life, without yeah. knowing anything about the person. I can't overestimate how much brand is about the end to end experience, right? Like, people want to read about others' experiences. They don't want to be sold. They want to hear about experiences. They want um, they want to have that experience for themselves, right? They also want to see themselves in your experience when you're telling your story. So um, yeah, like it's if it's not really about selling, it's about showcasing experiences. And maybe a long time ago, it was, you know, all about sales and kind of copywriting and being able to sell a product like that, but it just doesn't work that way anymore. No, you know, top of mind marketing is kind of dead. You can't just blast your name out there and and tell people you've got a product without talking about the experience and that what they, you know, showing others experiences and what they could potentially experience as well. So I, I talk about that a little bit that I see a lot of advisors as well on social media kind of just reposting and things like that. And they're just sharing articles. But no, people want people want to understand what the experience is and could they potentially see themselves in that experience. Mm -hmm. And then another way that they could do it is to create advocates because I can say I can pay a billion dollars next year on advertising mm -hmm. and I may not get any more return. I would, I mean, I would, but <laughs> you may not get any more qualified return um, than you can get with one person vouching for you. Yeah. So, you know, it's good for have a client story, but when they go to your website, if you have clients saying, Natalie was amazing. She took me step by step through the process and I fully understand what's happening and I understand the clarity, what's going to be in the future if something happens. That now is another piece of that story that if, if your brand is aligned with it, it's going to all connect and just be more value addition for prospective clients or even prospective partners that may want to partner with you in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's not the product. It's not the, you know, it's, it's the transformation, right? Is what you're saying is, is what people really want to understand. People, you know, don't come to me saying, I, I want to know my niche, right? They come to me thinking that they want to have a better, they want to 
they want to know exactly who they should be helping and how that will translate into helping their, you know, their business. And so I, I don't talk to them about like, oh, I'm going to help you find your niche and it's going to make you all this business. I talk to them about the clarity that they're going to have when, when that happens that, you know, when you understand exactly who you're serving, all these things, like the million and one options that you could potentially do for marketing. Now only three of them make sense because you know exactly where your target market's hanging out. You know exactly, you know, what they use and what they don't. Right. So I talk to them about how it gets some clarity. I also talk to them about like the, the focus, right? So it's not so much that, yeah, they're going to, you know, they're going to know their niche and, um, we're going to build out this marketing plan. No, no, no. That's not the transformation that people want to hear about. They want to hear about the fact that, that it's simplified, that all of these options that were completely overwhelming them no longer make sense anymore. They're no longer overwhelming them anymore because they have the focus on exactly what they should be doing and the clarity to understand what now makes sense. Exactly. And once you start that process and you continually get at it and you're consistent with it, Mm-hmm. It's easier and easier to start talking in that voice and being like, because it's it'll just be natural because it's who you are, but it's yeah. a polished professional version of it. And then when you want to talk about yourself, you can say like, hey, I went to this conference and it was amazing. But the way you're going to say it, instead of just having a grainy photo with, wow, that was fun. It's, <laughs> this was an amazing experience full of great advice. And now you're starting to talk differently and the way you're going to be portraying things that happen is going to be different and you can still then share your personal stories your personal anecdotes or success or you know things that happen in your life events to enhance that image but also it's going to be consistent with your brand right like it's going to tie hopefully you know the things that you're talking about tie back into your brand promise somehow right because i i see that a lot i went to this conference and i'm going to take back all this information that's going to help my clients well how is it going to help your clients, right? If you don't have an understanding of that first step, that that problem that they're coming to you with, because you don't really have a clear focus on who you should be serving, um, you can't talk to them about how it's going to help them. You can't say, you know, I, I went to this conference and I'm so excited because I learned about this specifically and it's going to help my clients because I'm going to take this back and it's going to give them this, you know? you need to be a little bit more specific and have that tie back into your brand promise. And so, yeah, that's, it's, it's all a part of it, right? When you have that level of focus and level of clarity, it, it comes back into everything that you do for your business. Mm-hmm. It's that whole end to end experience. Exactly. So let's tailor down here to the end of the interview. What advice would you then give to advisors who are maybe wanting to tackle those problems or maybe they don't even know what problems maybe exist because they've just been focused on their block um so what advice would you give to someone who wants to maybe get into this level of starting to identify who they are their niche uh, and what steps they could take then to you know start that journey defining your mega market is where i think a lot of advisors are starting right they're starting to speak to they they know that they need to speak to somebody specifically yet they're speaking to, or when they're defining their niece, they're like, I serve women or I serve millennials. And that's a, that's not a niche. That's a mega market. That's a huge portion of people. And you need to kind of get down into understanding what's the segment or what's the slice of that, that you, you know, 
you can then relate to personally and have some experience in. You know, let's dive into that a little bit deeper. And, and then, you know, let's carve out a portion of that to be your, your own. Let's make, let's take a look at, you know, who out there is also speaking to those people and what you do differently. Define your mega market, identify your market niche, do your competitor research, and then you can create your messaging strategy and kind of show up and engage as the expert that you are. Perfect. Well, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, how can they do so? Because I think that might be a next, next question for some of the advisors listening. That'd be great. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love, I love having conversations with financial advisors on LinkedIn. Um, I post every day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. So come join the conversation in the comments uh, or DM me directly and say hello. Perfect. And that's Natalie Hales for those uh, that missed it at the beginning. But thank you very much, Natalie. It's been awesome having you on. Um, yeah, my I pleasure. Love, I love talking about marketing. It's my background. So <laughs> it's uh, it's not a hard, it, I could have gone on for another hour or two. <laughs> Same, I know. We could go on forever. We could go on forever. But yeah. no, I really appreciate it, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. And um, yeah, it's just important part to end the conversation again, simplify to enhance. So simplify your business to enhance your business. That's right. All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay, thanks. Before we wrap up today's episode, I have an opportunity that I'd like to share with the audience. My name is Matt Goche. I've been hosting this podcast since January of this year, and I do not have life insurance. Coming into the life insurance industry with a marketing background provided me with very limited understanding and access to what life insurance actually does. That said, I think it's time that I start protecting my family's future. As a father of a young family, I don't want to leave them without if something was to happen. And that's where you come in. I'm looking to partner with insurance advisors who will walk me through the process of getting insurance and then catalog and share with you my experiences of going through the process of getting evaluated and finding a product that fits my needs and then sharing the frustrations and things that went well so that you can see it from a customer's point of view. Because a lot of the time it's easy to get wrapped up in process and the way that you sell and the way you do things, but it's different hearing it from the other side. So if you would like to connect with me, feel free to send me a message on LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Matt Goche. Uh, you can also email me, matt.goche, G-A-U-T-H-I-E-R, at lifedesignanalysis.com. And I'd love to talk with you and continue the conversation offline. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Policy Pod by LDA. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Natalie Hales, where we delved into branding and finding your niche in the insurance industry. The conversation doesn't have to stop here. Like I said, we have a group on LinkedIn called Policy Pod by LDA. It's a place where insurance professionals like yourself can connect and share ideas and discuss anything related to the world of life insurance. So come to LinkedIn and join the conversation there. If you've never used life design analysis, I highly encourage you to also go to www.lifedesignanalysis.com. If you've never used our platform before, you can sign up for your 15-day trial, or if you're just interested in seeing the platform, 
you can sign up for a demo with one of our customer support team and they'll walk you through the entire platform top to bottom to show you how it can enhance your practice. Thank you again for joining us today for this episode. I look forward to the next one. Have a wonderful day.